doe, a deer, a female deer, Ron, a prodigal son. You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club that can sing most anything. The Silver Doe was nothing. Nothing compared with Ron's reappearance. He could not believe it. It was you, you? Harry said at last. You, you cast that doe? What? No, of course not. I thought it was you doing it. My Patronus is a stag. Oh, yeah. I thought it looked different. No antlers. I'm Heather Price, right? And I'm Alex Dallenberg. Hello, here we are. We are still reading Deathly Hallows. We will be reading Deathly Hallows until we both perish. Not really. We're about halfway through. I mean... These days, who knows? Who the fuck knows? It's you know, like seventy degrees on January twelfth in New York City. So we are indeed perishing as a species more quickly than we should be. It's more like sixty degrees, but still, it was either way. It was above sixty-five. There's nothing like summer in the city, especially when it happens in January. So we are all hurtling toward a planet that is entirely engulfed in flames. But in the meantime, I guess we're doing a Harry Potter podcast. (laughs) We are continuing the chapter by chapter rather than two by two format because just a lot is happening. So this week we are reading the chapter called The Silver Doe. In addition to deep existential dread... You will hear cursing and spoilers in this and every episode of the Quibbler podcast. You will also hear some adult themes. This week's adult themes are hypothermia, love triangles, heckling, self-loathing, and shiny objects. So Alex, I almost called you Harry. Whoa. That was weird. So Harry. So Harry Potter, what happened to you this week? No, Alex Dallenberg, what happened this week? In this week's chapters, Harry follows a deer into the woods. Um, well, we'll get to that. Uh, it's not really a deer. It's a spectral deer. Spectral deer. deer. A deer that is a headlight. <laughs> Was that the pun that you didn't want to tell me you nope, made up? No, I just thought that off the top of my oh. head. <laughs> deer is headlights, look. <laughs> uh, Harry... And Hermione are still camping. At night, Harry's having disturbed dreams about Nagini slithering in and out of a wreath of Christmas roses, which sounds like it'd be a pretty hardcore tattoo to get. Maybe Hermione and Harry could get mattress ones in, like, commemoration of their Godric's Hollow trip. I feel like if you and I are going to get Harry Potter tattoos when we finish the Quibbler, which it has been suggested we should... And I would be kind of down only if it was a Nagini plus roses tattoo. <laughs> Fuck the Deathly Hallows tattoos. I'm certainly not getting a tattoo that says always. Um, I'd rather die. But <laughs> I would get a Nagini and sort of like stylized tattoo roses. Anyway. I actually don't have any tattoos. So that would be a first for me. Were you trying to remember if you have any tattoos? No. I have one. I would get a snake and roses tattoo. (laughs) Keep this in mind. How would you know it was like Harry Potter themed though? Well, that's the thing. It would be like cool looking in general, 
but then we would know that it was Nagini and the roses on the potter's grave, which mm. is cool. Okay, that makes sense. If yeah. anybody out there is a tattoo designer and is interested in making a sketch, that would be super cool. Wait, that... <laughs> How serious are we about this? I'm not that serious about it. Okay, well... I still want to see what it would look like. Anyway, I've derailed this conversation already. We're in the first paragraph, uh, but that's par for the course for these recaps. So Harry is having, he's having weird dreams. He also, he also feels like he is hearing people outside the tent at night or someone outside the tent, which is freaking him out because he doesn't know if their defenses are working. So... Harry and Hermione pack up their bags and disapparate to the Forest of Dean, which Hermione, like, thinks of because she went camping there as a kid. I thought the Forest of Dean was a couple of chapters ago. I can't remember. Because, you know, Dean was in the forest. Oh. Forest of Dean. Wow. I didn't even know you were making a joke. That's that was really, such a bad joke. It's not really a good joke. But anyway, they're at the Forest of Dean. Harry is on the watch one night, nodding off, when he sees a silvery light out in the darkness of the forest. And the light is in the form of a silver doe. And Harry, he feels a strong urge to follow it. So he follows this deer this doe into the forest part of him is like i don't know is this a trap but nobody like jumps out and curses him so he thinks all right this is fine and eventually he comes to a frozen pond it's not really a lake it's like a pond a frozen pond in the forest and at the bottom of the pond he sees ba 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 the motherfucking sword of gryffindor so that's convenient as hell Harry thinks to himself, uh, how am I going to get this fucking sword out of this frozen pond? And he remembers a line from the Sorting Hat about how Gryffindors are bold and courageous and dumb as fuck. So <laughs> he blasts open the ice with a spell, Defendo, I believe, not like Ice Cracky or whatever. I don't know. He also probably could have used a rock, but whatever. Um, he can use magic, so why not yeah he doesn't have like an ice pick on him although i guess you could probably use a wand for that but he literally mind. does use a wand for i guess that. he does but he like uses physically. a wand as an ice pick <laughs> ice picko and then he just fucking jumps into the water i know first he takes all his clothes off oh really i forgot about that yeah okay he's so he naked. gets so he gets fucking naked in the forest it's like january it's not 60 degrees outside unlike new york city it's cold as fuck and he just jumps in the fucking water with like I, this was a terrible idea but we will get to that as he dives into the, he doesn't dive because you never dive into shallow water harry's not that stupid what if you just dove in <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him, frankly. Um, as he's feeling around for the sword in the pond, the Horcrux tightens around his neck and starts to strangle him to death. Harry is like, fuck, I'm finally going to die after seven books. But then someone pulls him out of the water. Wait, I have a question. What? I yeah. know that we're at the climax of the chapter. How does Harry know how to swim? 
Maybe, yeah, did the Dursleys give him, like, swimming lessons? He was, like, never allowed out of the house at the Dursleys, and they don't have, like, P.E. at Hogwarts. WikiHow? Like, I feel like Harry doesn't know how to swim. But he does, because he, in the Triwizard Tournament, oh, yeah. he, like, has gillyweed. How does he know how to swim? Maybe the gillyweed permanently imparts on your mind the ability to swim. Okay, I mean, I guess that's the best explanation we have, but I also have a question. He must have learned in school. It's such a... Maybe, but it's such a ubiquitous thing for us because we're from the desert, so, like, everyone took swimming lessons when they were, like, four. Right. Do other people take swimming lessons? Like, is that a thing, places where it's cold and there's not that much swimming? There's, like, public pools. I guess that's true. Okay. I am surprised Harry knows how to swim, but this is not important. It's also unclear how deep this pond is because he's feeling for it with his feet. He still has to swim up. Hmm. Well, okay. Anyway, so Harry can swim. Can swim. Uh, doesn't help him too much when he's being strangled to death by a cursed necklace. But Harry is pulled out of the water. He thinks, "Oh, thank God, Hermione showed up to save the day again." But it's not Hermione. It is but 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 motherfucking Ron 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 Weasley has fucking returned and somehow found Harry in. In the middle of the Forest of Dean. You're saying the Forest of Dean as much as you were saying interpretive plaque and our (laughs) listeners are going to kill us. Sometimes I just seize on words to like buy myself like a second of time, like a half second of time to think of like the next thing I'm going to say. So Harry and Ron are reunited. Harry's like, oh, so it was you that cast the dough. Ron says, no, I thought that was your Patronus. Harry says, do not know, like, the difference between stags and does? Ron's like, no, I don't really know my woodland creatures that well. Okay, so Harry fucking puts his clothes back on. Ron is holding both the Sword of Gryffindor and the locket. He says, you were fucking crazy to jump into the pond with uh, this fucking, this the locket on. Uh, Harry says, well, you know what? We've got the locket. We've got the sword. Let's just fucking do this thing right now. So he says, so Harry figures because Ron got the sword out of the lake, it must mean because magic reasons, Ron is meant to use the sword of Gryffindor to destroy the Horcrux. So Harry says, Ron, this sword came to you. You gotta, you gotta fucking do it, man. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> that was a very inartful way to do that's not exactly how Harry said it, but it's something along those lines. Um, Ron says, no, that Horcrux, like, fucks with my mind. You have to do it. It's, like, it affects me way more than everybody else. Harry eventually prevails upon Ron to do it, and he uses Parcel Tongue to open the locket. Another case where it's really handy that Harry's bilingual. <laughs> you know, he should put that on his LinkedIn <laughs> under skills. Parcel tongue. Conversational parcel tongue. (laughs) Harry opens the locket, which has a fucking eye in it, but it's like Tom Riddle's eye before he became Voldemort. Uh, that's fucking creepy. So, so, Lovo just doing the most, as usual. Ron hears, I guess Ron and Harry both hear voices. Basically, the Horcrux... As we said in the adult themes, it just fucking, like, heckles Ron. It's like, you're the least loved. Your mom wanted a daughter instead. Nobody wants to fucking hang out with you. Harry Potter is way cooler. 
your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. <laughs> so Ron is hesitating to destroy the Horcrux. Harry is saying, is pleading with him, stab it, just stab it, throw it back in the fires of Mount Doom or whatever. Uh, then the Horcrux starts like projecting images, like two kind of spectral, like a spectral Harry and a spectral Hermione are emitted from the Horcrux. Is that the best way to describe it? That's that's like what happens, right? It's more like a hologram. Hmm. Hollow technology. Yeah. Okay. So there's like Horcrux holograms. There's Hollow Harry. There's Hollow Hermione. Hermione is described as being more beautiful than the real Hermione, but also more terrible. Whatever that like beautiful and terrible. Like Galadriel. Yeah, like Galadriel. That's what I imagined. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Gwyneth Paltrow turning super scary. <laughs> it is Gwyneth, right? Yeah, it's Gwyneth. Pre-goop. Hey, Quibblers. This is Alex post-production. Quick in-line fact check. We now know that it was not Gwyneth Paltrow who played Galadriel in Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings. It was, in fact, Kate Blanchett. I don't even know why we thought it was Gwyneth. She's not even British. But we're leaving this part in because... It's funny. So, um, we regret the error. <laughs> Galadriel is like, is here is a jade egg to put inside your vagina Honestly, in order to strengthen your Kegel muscles. That probably, that like, Galadriel does give them a bunch of just rando gifts. She's like, here's three fucking strands of my hair, Gimli. That's something that... Um, you could buy them. You on could Goop. buy on Goop. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, here's a vagina candle. Here's a. Isn't she selling that? No, it's an. Is egg. that somebody else? Oh, it's a vagina egg. No, but didn't you see the uh, the scented vagina candle? You put a candle inside your vagina. No, it smells like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. That's not real. Hold on. No, this is a real thing. Although I don't think, after doing some further research, I don't think it's specifically modeled after Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina but this is an item you can buy on goop it's called the this smells like my vagina candle it's 75 us dollars it's 75 dollars also it says this item is sold out so you can add to the wait list what's uh, the burn time <laughs> that's what you want to know well <laughs> 75 no 75 dollars <laughs> it i hope it burns for like 900 hours of vagina scent with the funny gorgeous sexy and beautifully unexpected scent this candle is made with geranium citrusy bergamot and cedar absolutes juxtaposed with damask rose and ambrit seed to put us in mind of fantasy seduction and a sophisticated warmth at the risk of TMI, I don't know any vaginas that smell like Burnham. Lady Grey's vagina, maybe. <laughs> uh, about its perfumer, Douglas Little began his brilliant career. He doesn't in the even world have a high- vagina. Yeah, what the fuck? Well, may- okay, I'm assuming that that is a cis man. Whatever. Who knows what people have vaginas and what people don't? For me, nature is wild, provocative, sensual, spiritual, and serene. Says Little. Why? Why is it called this? I mean. Fair enough. Anyway, so that's a thing you can buy on... Well, you can't buy it on Goop right now because it's sold out. I'm just sitting here. This It is going to haunt my olfactory memory. Not memory. It is going to haunt the sort of part of my brain that houses olfactory information to try to imagine what an actual vagina-scented candle would smell like. It's a very ineffable odor. 
Yeah, I don't... I guess we should stop talking about this because it's, like, pretty gross, but... How do we get onto this? Because we... Oh, Galadriel. We're talking Beautiful about and terrible. Galadriel. Beautiful and terrible. Treacherous as the sea. Anyway, Gwyneth has really an enormous number of vagina products that nobody needed. She also has a vagina steamer and... Isn't a... it already, like... Steamy? Pretty steamy down there. <laughs> no, know, it's my like vagina a... needs to be steamier. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's for like, you know how you steam your face during a facial? It's mm. for like toxin release, I guess. I don't know. Your vagina needs none of these things. Wow. And I just don't think anybody wants a candle that smells like a literal vagina, except like the serial killer in Silence of the Lambs, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I can't talk about this anymore. It's making me feel too weird. Honestly, it's it's better than like a, a penis candle, probably. I don't know. Scrotum candle. Like, Ugh. you know, that's that, that would be a worse scent in my mind. I don't think we can keep talking about this. I'm feeling sort of nauseated. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Gladriel did give gifts of her own hair. Uh, and we have to crawl back somehow to the Harry Potter narrative. So where we last left our heroes, they are fucking sopping wet by a stream. And Ron is being taunted by spectral visions of Harry and Hermione, who then start, they get like, they entwine each other. And... Then they make out. Then they make out. Yeah. Do they? Yeah. Then they make out. So Ron is feeling some type of way, but finally he like summons the nerve to stab the Horcrux, which screams and then dies. And the eye's gone and it's just a busted ass locket. So Ron and Harry, they probably high five or something and they, no, they don't high five. Uh, oh, I know what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> Harry reassures Ron. He says, look, like Hermione cried for weeks after you left and dude we only hooked up like once or twice and <laughs> no we never went beyond third base so don't worry about it man uh no he says harry actually says look he says look i think of her as a sister a sexy stepsister to be honest but no he doesn't say that either <laughs> no he says i think of her as a sister and it's just not like that between us at all uh he says, I thought you knew that, I, which and, is interesting. Right, yeah. Because he is attributing a great deal of emotional maturity to our friend Ron Weasley. <laughs> um, so they head back to the tent. Harry says, good job, mate. You kind of made up for being such a douchebag the last uh, couple chapters and bailing on us. By destroying the Horcrux and saving my life, Ron says, Ron says, it sounds a lot cooler when you put it that way. Harry says, I've been trying to tell you for years. That's what these near-death experiences are like, man. So there's a moment of reconciliation and mutual understanding between our two heroes who then head back to the tent where Hermione is fucking pissed to see Ron. She yells at him a lot. Harry actually has to cast a defensive shield between them and Hermione to stop Hermione from, like, punching out Ron. So, eventually Ron is able to get out all the stuff he's been doing over the last, like, I guess, like, couple weeks. He, after he left and disapparated, he immediately regretted his decision, but he ran into a group of Snatchers 
who are basically wizard bounty hunters who are looking for muggleborns and blood traitors to turn into the dark ministry for a reward. I can never think of a bounty hunter again without thinking about Baby Yoda. <laughs> for the rest of my life, I'm not going to be able to I'm not going to be able to hear the term bounty hunter without imagining Baby Yoda. <laughs> So thank you for that, because now I'm just thinking about Baby Yoda. So, <laughs> so Ron is able to escape using his wits and punching no, someone in the using stomach. using punching. Using his fists. And he's, it's not his wits. Yeah, he apparates away, but he loses two fingernails in the process by splinching, because he's pretty shitty at apparating still. Hermione makes fun of him for losing his fingernails. It's not really making fun of. She's like, oh, oh, you lost two fingernails. A snake corpse almost killed us. Like, cry me a river. She's right, yeah, to she, be fair. She ain't wrong. But Ron eventually found them because he heard the Deluminator that Dumbledore gave them talking to him. He heard Hermione's voice coming from the Deluminator. And he took out the Deluminator and used it to, like, turn the lights off in his bedroom or where, whatever fucking room he was in. I think it was his bedroom. I don't think this matter. matters. It doesn't matter at all. He turned out the lights, but then the ball, the deluminator ball, the whatever the fucking lights are, they like went outside the house and he felt like he had to like follow it. So he followed the deluminator ball. Then the light, like it went back inside his body. And when the light went inside him, he kind of knew where to go. So then he apparated to some hillside that they had been camping on but of course he couldn't find them because you know they were doing all this subterfuge and Hermione's amazing at camouflage so that's who Harry heard outside the tents at night Ron did the like follow the bouncing ball trick again and followed them <laughs> to with the deluminator and followed them to the forest of Dean where he then saw the silver doe which led him to Harry being strangled to death by jewelry in a frozen pool and pulled him out. And that's, uh, yeah, that's what happened. So Hermione, like, sort of settles down. She's still pissed at Ron, but the gang is back together again. And and Ron says to Harry, I guess it could have been worse. I guess she could have attacked me with birds. Hermione says as she's getting into bed, I'm still not ruling it out. Ron cracks a smile and the trio is back together again. And that's what happens in this week's chapters. Woof. That was line by line. To be fair, we also talked about vagina candles for what felt like 45 minutes. So <laughs> apologies for the length of that summary. Although I know y'all love the length of those summaries. Seems like something you could maybe buy at Borgen and Burke's. <laughs> <laughs> something like Harry walks by under the invisibility cloak and it's like the candle was giving out a, I don't know. Ew. Use the words you were going to use. Bergamot scent that seemed almost indecent. I don't know. I, I can't quite conjure up J.K. Rowling's luscious prose. <laughs> it is kind of surprising that there aren't wizard sex shops. I guess those There are. That I was going to say. Not, not surprising that there aren't. What Obviously, you, they wouldn't make an appearance in these books, but I feel like wizard sex shops are pretty wild. What do you think the Hand of Glory is actually for? ha, ha, ha. Okay, so Harry Potter, God love you. You just made this mistake. You just followed an unknown entity, entity 
that you had a deep gut feeling was going to lead you somewhere important and it was Nagini hiding inside of a corpse. <laughs> Why are you following this doe? Like he's so lucky this turns out okay, but it's so dumb. It's really stupid, although it does lead to a dearly bought victory. So first of all, yeah, I got it. Dearly bought? No, I get it. Ugh. I just didn't laugh. You did not think that was funny. Fine. <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> My first question, and this occurred to me during actually the first line of this chapter. No, this occurred to me during the first paragraph of this chapter because Hermione puts a sweatshirt on over her pajamas. Why don't these... Idiots have coats. Oh, and then Harry is described as putting on like every... He wears every sweater sweater he he owns. owns. And it's like, in terms of bulk and ease of packing, one coat is a lot smarter than 19 sweaters. I don't understand why they don't have jackets. I, I... This is a packing fail. This is the only thing that Hermione has done wrong in her packing. How did Hermione Granger forget snow outfits i I, yeah you'd think people living in england would own coats or like well they do they just didn't pack their coats i don't know maybe wizards don't well also couldn't they cast some kind of spell to keep them warm like warming spells you know there's cheering charms and things like that maybe you can only cast like the illusion of warmth not actual warmth okay well the illusion of warmth would Would, be pretty useful in this moment as well but i mean you could still maybe get frostbite, but you'll just feel warm. I, I don't know. Well, but he's not getting frostbite. He's just uncomfortable. Yeah, they're just cold. So Although even then, I think you could actually probably cast a spell that would warm you up. There's spells for everything. They never cast spells. I have the same question for when he gets out of the pond. Like, does he not know? Isn't there some kind of just drying spell? Like, they have jackets in Back to the Future that can dry you off. Like, you think... Yeah. Fuck it. You'd think there'd be like a, I don't know, laundromat spell or something like that. These wizards just use magic alarmingly infrequently. Yeah. Except for, like, hurting other people. They don't (laughs) just do normal things with magic, which seems like the best reason to be able to do magic. You need a drawing spell. Just to deal with regular discomforts. I feel like magic would be awesome also hypothermia serious threat it's true Uh, so did harry not see i guess titanic is like still a year away from coming out that's true although i think titanic might actually come out this year it's nice when did titanic come out i don't know let's find out yeah i just i just checked the timeline and the film titanic has just come out it's been out for like a couple weeks when this scene takes place They've been camping. I know, but... The zeitgeist should be informing Harry. Harry's in the pond, and he's like, oh, never let go. Like, I don't know if this joke is good. That's fine. (laughs) But maybe it is. (laughs) I can't tell. If Ron had been on a painting... Is it a painting or a door? It's a door. Oh, I think it's a door. It's a door. Well, either way. That two people could easily have fit on on BT dubs. (laughs) So this is not a podcast quibbling about how weird and dumb the ending of of Titanic is. There are many, many, many other sources for that particular quibble. It is too bad that they don't just like nip out to go see Titanic. Why would you want that scene? Just to like, I don't know, they need like 
it's like kind of the big movie of the year. We've when already this is talked happening. about the fact that wizards yeah, no engage in zero art or culture <laughs> at all. It's just funny that there's muggles in a theater while this scene is happening, just watching Titanic. I guess that's funny. Maybe that's funny. funny to me. I don't know. <laughs> it might not be funny at all. They don't even do non-photorealistic, like, portrait-style paintings. Their paintings even are pretty much exclusively, like, functional. Yeah, you're right. We have had this conversation before. Anyway. So, okay, let's talk about the mistakes Harry makes here. Nobody's system. He doesn't tell Hermione where he's yeah, going. Yeah, he just, wa- he literally walks into the woods after this deer and with he, her wand yeah, he so she steals can't even come, her wand she can't even come rescue him harry stared at the creature filled with wonder not at her strangeness but at her inexplicable familiarity he felt that he had been waiting for her to come but that he had forgotten until this moment that they had arranged to meet his impulse to shout for hermione which had been so strong a moment ago had gone he knew he would have staked his life on it that she had come for him, and him alone. They gazed at each other for several long moments, and then she turned and walked away. No, he said, and his voice was cracked with lack of use. Come back. She continued to step deliberately through the trees, and soon her brightness was striped by their thick black trunks. For one trembling second, he hesitated. Caution murmured it could be a trick, a lure a trap. But instinct, overwhelming instinct, told him that this was not dark magic. He set off in pursuit. He's left himself no, like, egress. No, not at all. Because he is incredibly impulsive and (laughs) not paying a ton of attention. Which, of all times in your life, I mean, whatever, he's just a very impulsive person I'm, by nature. I guess he's got his playbook and he's like sticking to it. And you know? sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but he doesn't do a ton of differentiation. It's like we got to follow the game plan. Also, so obviously we know that Snape orchestrated this somehow. I forget the exact details, but I think it's because a painting of Dumbledore is telling him what to do. I cannot get into that yet. Um that's bonkers. But we know the Doe is Snape's Patronus because of Lily and always and blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, kill me. Did Snape have to make it this hard? Like, why did Snape have to put the sword in the lake? Why couldn't he just put the sword in the clearing for Harry to just pick up? Of why some, does Harry need to almost die? I don't know. Because of some Dumbledore, Gryffindor, like, bravery, chivalry, fucking bullshit. Right? And like the mythical symbolism of pulling swords from lakes. Yeah. Dumbledore is just the worst. (laughs) Why does he always have to make things just a little bit more complicated than they need to be, even when things are unbelievably complicated already? Did Snape just toss it in the lake? And then freeze (laughs) the lake over with magic? Did Snape have to physically place it in the lake? I have a lot of questions um I yeah Snape made this way harder than he strictly needed to and I guess partly it's like to lure Ron I don't know it's a whole friggin thing but it's a whole yeah it's like a all Dumbledore's plans are like Rube Goldberg machines of but Rube Goldberg the thing about no 
They're worse than that because the thing about Rube Goldberg machines is they're complicated, but they're designed to work. These mm. are broken Rube Goldberg machines. <laughs> These are Rube Goldberg machines that are designed to utterly fail most of the time. I mean, this works though, in fairness. I know, but it's not designed to be successful. Yeah. He's sort of like, Harry might die at any of these junctures, and we're just going to have to see. <laughs> so, disaster. His He's a disaster. His portrait is a disaster. This whole thing is a nightmare. But Ron's back. So, hey. I like that Ron instantly regrets bailing on Harry and Hermione. It definitely speaks to his, like... I don't know, something about the impulsiveness of being a teen. Yeah, speaking of impulse control, it's very, I mean, I just feel like I remember having these moments as a teenager where I made an extreme choice sort of just to show off or to, it's very important when you're a teenager to externalize your strong emotions and show people that they're real in ways that are often incredibly self-destructive. So yes, I find this very familiar, where he he makes this decision in order to prove that he's extremely, extremely pissed. And then immediately he was like, oh my god, that was the wrong decision. Why did I do this? This was so <laughs> bad. It is a useful device, though, to show us what's happening in the rest of the wizarding world. And it's not great. We've got Snatchers now, which is a very why a dystopian sounding like name for people oh yeah. my god it is so all of the books that came post harry potter it's so like divergent and they have all these needlessly sinister capital letter descriptions of different groups <laughs> of snatchers. people those are the waiters <laughs> yeah there's actually there's this great twitter i i don't know if it's still active but it's like it's called like YA dystopian novel or something like that. And I think I just, it's Dana Schwartz. I just remember one tweet where it says, those are the arounders. <laughs> they just sit around the fire. <laughs> it's Dana Schwartz who wrote it. I don't know if it's still active, but she's a very good Twitter comedian. She also has Guy in Your MFA Workshop is her <laughs> other Twitter. Um, if only Twitter was just shit like that. Yeah. The world would be a better place. It's true. <laughs> so I guess Ron went home yeah. during this interlude. What was that like? Everyone wasn't like, uh, so where's Harry? Hey, man. Uh... What you been up to? <laughs> what's, uh, what's, what's cracking out there? Well, the more, the thing that jumps out to me is I can't imagine... Ron going home and his mother allowing him to leave again. Oh my gosh. She would have chained him to the bed. Yeah. He shows up and she's like, you are going full Harry Potter locked in the cupboard under the stairs. <laughs> yeah. Like 0% are you ever walking out that door again, Ronald Weasley. But I mean, I think he did go home because he talks about following this fucking globe of light out into the garden we know the weasleys have a garden unless he's at just some random safe house which has the same layout as the burrow well also um, he he packs all his shit yeah because before he didn't have a rucksack they were right, all living yeah. just out of hermione's beaded bag and he packed his maroon pajamas but you know what he didn't pack either coats or food <laughs> 
the two things we have made extremely clear throughout these chapters that these idiots desperately all need, need. All you need is one piece of bread yeah. that you can make more of. Just grab some bread. Pack a loaf of bread, Jean Valjean style, <laughs> and just feel... Oh my god. Um. Also, going back to the Snatchers really quickly. So two things. First of all, I guess no one knows what Stan Shunpike looks like because we've had multiple instances when so- where someone has like used his name and people have fully believed it. <laughs> also, I just, this is a J.K. Rowling trope that has followed us through these this entire series. The fact that all bad guys of any magnitude are ugly is infuriating. Yeah, Ron specifically notes that one of the Snatchers he thinks is part troll because of the way he looks and smells. So she's like, all right, so you ran into some Snatchers they were uggos. And uh, bad. Yeah. Because ugly people are also bad people always, which is just icky. Only Tom Riddle. He's handsome. But, but the worse like he gets, way. the uglier That's he true. gets. Mm-hmm. I guess Gilderoy Lockhart is, he's, yeah. the, he's the sexiest bad guy. But he is super feminized and mm. queered. Yeah. So, because there are lots of women whose appearance is sort of, weaponized against them who are beautiful in a certain way right but anyway she just her appearance stuff is fucked um let's talk about the deluminator what even is the mechanism here it's so dumbledore designed this thing to do what dumbledore well what is this supposed to do to put out stuff to put out lights but i guess also it's sort of a radio it's not a radio it's like a summoner yeah uh, it's like a navigation device well because no but it's triggered by hermione saying ron's name and then he hears it so there must but he hears it from the deluminator right but and then it leads him to the person who said his name this is my least favorite magical object because Usually there's a little more crispness around the functionality of these things. Even the ones that are frustrating, like even a Horcrux, it's very complicated, but the magic of it is pretty clear. The Deluminator is all over the place. What it does is totally inscrutable. Yeah, I was thinking when he gets this item, this isn't how I predicted it would be used. I would have thought it would fall around... I don't know, the the Deluminator's pretty obvious function of turning on and turning off lights, but in some kind of twist way, like a surprising way, not, oh, it has this other completely different power that you've never heard of before. That also is sort of linked to the light, but the light is like a magic light that lights up your soul to find your beloved. It or gives it's you just... inner light or well, something. The other thing that's annoying... Enlightenment. Ha ha, kind of. Um, we're going to get to this in the next chapter, but it turns out that the way um, the Death Eaters find them in the first, in the scene in the cafe, is because they say Voldemort's name. So twice in two chapters, we get this, like, names being sort of summoning tools thing. It's just repetitive. And the one with Voldemort is really cool and interesting, but Hermione says Ron's name and then Ron hears it and you're like, wait, like, what is the mechanism here? Yeah. What magic is at play? It's just very muddy. I'm not wild about it. I'm not either. 
It's not a bright idea. <laughs> oh, God. Well, and the thing is, there are so many fun objects in these books. So you'd think the Deluminator could have been... It just seems like she kind of lost steam. Mm. Like, she wanted the Deluminator to lead Ron back to them, but she just, like, didn't have a great idea of how that would work. So she just wrote a bunch of shit that doesn't really pan out. Yeah. But it, doesn't he use it again later? I don't know. Maybe. He might. We and might, then it also just, like, to, puts out a light. We might be able to come back to the Deluminator and... Uh, it's still going to be annoying that this part happens. <laughs> it is. And then I guess let's just talk a little bit about, you know, the, the Golden Trio is reunited and we get to return to our very familiar and beloved group dynamics. Well, first Ron and Harry are reunited. Yeah. Which I was kind of, after the Deluminator part, oh no, actually that was before the, I got to the Deluminator part later. Yeah. Later. I, I found this part fairly emotional, actually. Oh yeah, gotta, their bond is is truly lovely. It's beautiful when they sort of embrace and I felt relieved when Ron came back. I did too, which I didn't expect Despite to Despite all our complaints about Ron. Harry needs Ron. Yeah. And I fully acknowledge that Harry needs Ron. And vice versa. Yeah. They are stronger together. That's probably somebody's political slogan, but Isn't it's it true. Elizabeth Warren's? I think maybe it was Hillary Clinton's. Ugh. It's somebody's. It's probably been multiple candidates. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. But anyway, they are stronger together. I do have to say, I mean, whatever. I'm going to shit on Ron because that's like my main function on this earth, I guess, lately. <laughs> Presumption! Echoed the riddle Hermione, who was more beautiful and yet more terrible than the real Hermione. She swayed, cackling before Ron, who looked horrified yet transfixed, the sword hanging pointlessly at his side. Who could look at you? Who would ever look at you beside Harry Potter? What have you ever done compared with the Chosen One? What are you compared with the boy who lived? Ron! Stab it! Stab it! Harry yelled, but Ron did not move. His eyes were wide, and the riddle Harry and the riddle Hermione were reflected in them, their hair swirling like flames, their eyes shining red, their voices lifted in an evil duet. So the Horcrux is jeering at Ron about his sort of second fiddle lifestyle. And the fact that Ron's deepest fear is that his sort of on-again, off-again non-girlfriend, like, maybe sort of wants to fuck his best friend is kind of laughable when you think of the greatest fears that Harry is facing in these moments. Yeah, when Harry gets close to a Dementor, he hears his mom dying. And Ron is just like, mm, like girls. <laughs> and that's kind of unfair because obviously romantic love is an incredibly powerful force especially in the life of an adolescent but the fact that the horcrux is almost able to defeat ron by being like hermione is into harry is just <laughs> it's like kind of pathetic and the imagery is really strong in fact this scene gives us the most horrifying imagery in the entire cycle of these films 
in which Harry is for some reason shirtless. I think Hermione is too. Is she like in a bra? Uh, I think there's no just, way she's just topless. It's, it's from the shoulders up. Still, it's from it's a shoulders up situation. There's no way she's topless. No, I think so. Ooh, that's overly it's, sexy. It's a sexy mo. Well, it's not really sexy. It's horrifying. It's like Voldemort's brain. Wow, Voldemort wrote erotic Harry Potter fan fiction and put it in his own Horcrux. <laughs> Basically. Well, even the fact that this is what this Horcrux Uh does is so goofy. Voldemort needed to do a better security job here. At least Tom Riddle's diary summoned a monster and possessed Ginny and, like, literally tried to kill Harry. This Horcrux, it just insults you. It trolls you. Yeah. The diary was truly doing the most. To be fair. The, The locket heckles you. The locket was hidden very differently. That's true. There was a zombie army. Um, So it was really hard to get the locket in the first place. But once you try to destroy it, yeah, its powers are <laughs> fairly underwhelming. And still, it almost works on Ron. Like, if Harry wasn't there, it would have worked on Ron. Ron needs some just mental fortitude, buddy. A truly hilarious last line of defense is that the Horcrux is just kind of rude. Yeah, I mean, it's like a little more than rude, but basically, (laughs) yeah, it's insulting and impolite to Ron. Voldemort's like, I've seen your deepest fears, Ron Weasley, and they're kind of underwhelming. Give me more to work with here, buddy. You're worried that your mom thinks you're kind of a fuck up okay that's real but also that's you're real. right your mom thinks you're kind of a fuck up i mean no that's dread around your parents not actually loving you that's like that that's a that's a thing yeah okay i guess what i'll say is and this is sort of what we talked about a couple of episodes ago these are all really normal concerns yeah. ron is it's a complicated just, inner life yes as no much he as does anyone. but he has a very he has a, a a normal teenager complicated inner life and it's just sort of laughable when you think about harry's inner life and Harry is just like, I'm so close to dying literally constantly. <laughs> but we do have, of course, Ron does absorb more bodily harm here. Yes. I mean, he does jump in to save Harry. He is very, I mean, he's very Gryffindor in that way. He's extremely physically brave. Mm-hmm. I think what makes him really brave is he's often scared as hell. Yeah. And he does it anyway. I do think he needs to work on his emotional toughness. Yeah. He needs like cognitive behavioral therapy. Every character in this book. They all need therapy. Needs therapy. And then like I just the Horcrux is right that Harry and Hermione no that's not true. I don't actually think. Hot take. Well I don't think they work that well together either. I think it's actually very sweet when Harry's like she's my sister and I think she thinks that way too but what it says and this is the thing I actually believe that JK Rowling really thinks in her like I think this is a representation of her actual understanding of romantic love is that it should be almost primarily uncomfortable struggle yeah or that there are kinds of platonic love that are just pure and uncomplicated and beautiful and that romantic love is not supposed to be those things because even in this reunion scene which could be really romantic Ron and Hermione express their so-called love for each other primarily through like white hot anger Mm -hmm. they're constantly mad at each other and that's how we're supposed to understand that their feelings for each other are very strong but it's just it's 
it's just kind of twisted to the, me. The tenderest moment was in in these books, maybe, is in the last chapter after they read the Dumbledore revelations and Hermione just kind of brushes Harry's hair affectionately yeah. to, like, soothe him. Yeah, Harry and Hermione's interactions with each other are much more tender. And the other thing is Hermione is so lashed by Ron's treatment of her that she's constantly scared that Harry's mad at her because she's used to this stupid semi-boyfriend expressing his care for her through peak. Yeah. And so when they get back from the hellscape of um, Bethilda Bagshot and Harry is extremely upset in general Hermione's like you're so mad at me oh my god you're so mad at me and Harry's like no you're awesome you super duper saved our lives why would I be mad at you and it's like yeah because Ron's always fucking mad at me he's a little bit mad at losing the wand yeah but he's not mad at her about it he's very clear that he's not Mm -hmm. mad at her about it he knows that she saved his life and Ron meanwhile is constantly just like murmur and in this scene to be fair Hermione is super mad at Ron which again it's just not romantic I don't understand if this is supposed to feel romantic. Ron knows he fucked up, though. Well, yeah, he did fuck up, but I don't understand why their reunion has to be so unpleasant. I sort of like that she doesn't just immediately forgive him, though. I get, okay. Because, like, there's still some, because that would have been too easy. Like, oh, all is forgiven. Well, but it didn't have to be all is forgiven, but don't you expect her to at least show some initial, like, joy? Yeah. Like, she goes straight to, what the fuck is wrong with you? And she's described as being very shrill. Ugh, which... So shrill that a bat, like, only, only a, a bat can Only a bat her. can understand her. But, okay, honestly, it's good to have Ron back. There was just something missing with it just being Harry and Hermione. Honestly, partly because they're too gentle and kind with one another, and it gets kind of boring. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Ron... For reasons we mentioned earlier, he's uh, he's an asset. They could have used him in Godric's Hollow because Ron actually has like a fucking like spider sense, literally a spider sense for danger. You know, when they saw Bathilda Bagshot, he could have been like, uh, "Rary, <laughs> we rolled a ragshot." <laughs> he's just kind of have Scooby Doo vibes. We rolled a ragshot. Like I can't quite do the Rary. Rakes! God. We're but he's, as a rank. <laughs> he's also kind of shaggy. Yeah, he is Ron is simultaneously Scooby and Shaggy. Yes, that's his <laughs> like, hey, full vibe. <laughs> this is a pretty creepy flat, man. Also, he's obsessed with snacks. Mm-hmm. He just constantly has the munchies. <laughs> okay, so hottest take of all is that Ron Weasley is basically Scooby-Doo and Shaggy combined. <laughs> Um, also, Ron would definitely be a stoner in the Muggle world. Oh, yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously we know that friend George would be doing all kinds of drugs. Just blow. But, no, like, ev- something even weirder than that. I mean, that. they basically sell drugs at Weasley's Wizard Wheezes because they sell, like, daydream capsules. I just feel like Ron mostly Which is would just, just LSD. Yeah. They're just selling LSD. It's not magic at all. It's probably, a, <laughs> it's probably a joke we've made. They just find drugs and start selling them to wizards. And they're like, this is an amazing magical herb. We made up this spell that makes you hallucinate. It's called acid. <laughs> but yeah, Ron would just smoke a lot of weed and like constantly eat Doritos mm-hmm. if he wasn't on this quest. Who's your unsung hero? My unsung hero 
I gotta say, it is Ron. Fucking may as well give him some props. He jumps in the lake. He has, like, a dark night of the soul with the Horcrux, but he shoves in the dagger man, or sword in this case, and uh, he gets it done. So, good job, Ron. Yeah, glad he's back. I genuinely am. These books are more fun with Ron in them. I will give him that. Okay, you will never, ever hear me say this again, so cherish this moment. My unsung hero is Severus Snape. Wow. He just has so much very annoying shit to do in this chapter. (laughs) Like, this is so convoluted and irritating, and I feel for him that he's getting bossed around by a painting of his dead, like, fucking Obi-Wan. And he just, I mean, has to go put a sword in a lake, and it's cold, and he has to... Like, guide Harry from the tent. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. He's, like, also having to, like, patch up this, like... Friend rift. Teenage relationship. You know he's rolling his eyes the entire time. He's like, wait, okay, so they had some kind of fucking fallout. I don't understand. Now I have to send a doe to reunite them what yeah kids he thinks this is very irritating so props (laughs) to him for completing it anyway also he's doing all of this while clearly evading the attention of Voldemort yeah who he is supposed to be serving so all in all this is a difficult task and you know it's he pulls it off with flying colors everything that's supposed to happen happens so way to go Severus Snape this week's episode is brought to you by Salazar Slytherin's Locket, the world's douchiest Tamagotchi pet. <laughs> the audiobook clips that you heard are courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio. They are from Jim Dale's continuing, continuously wonderful performance of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Uh, do whatever you do with podcasts. Subscribe where it's convenient. I, I'm kind of feeling very fragile about reviews so do that if you must but it's not that I don't know it's actually probably not that useful for our mental health so make decisions as you see fit about (laughs) rating and reviewing we're on social media at quibbler podcast we have gotten a lot of really lovely and kind um dms on instagram and twitter lately so just know that we always really deeply appreciate those it's um it's very gratifying to hear from you all and know that the podcast plays a role in your... Even if we don't respond right away. Yeah, which we try to pretty often. Yeah. You can also email us, quibblerpodcast at gmail.com. We get a lot of very good takes via eOwl. So all in all, we love hearing from you. And we are continuing next time around with the chapter called Xenophilius Lovegood. So our heroes are continuing to run into complicated and morally bankrupt grown-ups. <laughs> now, Xenophilius is, is more complex than just morally bankrupt, but it's a rough time, so get ready. Thanks, amigos! Then a voice hissed from out of the Horcrux. I have seen your and it is mine. For me to poop on! <laughs> 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 <laughs>